0: The Gospel of Mark is not usually a popular place to go when reflecting on the Christmas story. The reason for this is rather obvious. Mark doesn't include a birth narrative. In this story, there are no shepherds, there are no wise men, there's no manger scene, there's no little town of Bethlehem. Mark starts his gospel in a markedly different way. He begins by commenting on Jesus' identity as the Christ. He gives an account of Jesus' baptism by John in the Jordan River and the subsequent temptation in the wilderness. And finally, a brief summary of Jesus' preaching when he begins his ministry. For this reason, it has not always been appreciated for the contribution it makes to the Christmas story and the season of Advent. However, when we consider the way that Mark has prepared for the story of Jesus and his gospel, we can see that Mark does have a special set of things to tell us about the coming of Jesus and his incarnation. One of the ways that Mark prepares his readers for what is to come in his gospel is to demonstrate that the story that he is about to tell is itself the proclamation of the gospel. Mark does include examples of gospel preaching throughout his account, but remarkably, He also includes his narrative itself under the designation of gospel. Mark's intertextual advent is brief but profound. The opening sequence of scenes in this narrative prepares the reader for what will come in the story as a whole, but it also deepens our understanding of the significance of Christ's presence among us on the earth. Mark begins by declaring, The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, Now John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, After me comes one who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. One of the immediate textual questions we might have about the way that Mark begins is the quotation that happens in the first few verses, specifically the way that it's introduced. Mark says that this was written in the prophet Isaiah, but the first words of the quotation do not come from Isaiah, they actually come from Malachi. Many have wondered what is going on here. Has Mark forgotten or misidentified this quotation? Does Mark think that this text from Malachi actually comes from Isaiah? Is Mark quoting both passages but only naming the largest? In some ways, this is a possibility. However, I think part of what is going on in this text is that Mark is not only citing these texts, he's also interpreting these texts. So when Mark gives us this brief yet complex composite quotation of Malachi and Isaiah, he's implicitly making the argument that these prophetic texts should be read together in light of one another. From Mark's perspective, these two texts mutually interpret one another. Accordingly, these two prophetic texts now orient us as readers to some of the central themes of the story of Jesus. Here we see the relevance of Mark's opening sequence to our reflections on Advent. Mark is absolutely concerned with characterizing the coming of the Lord Jesus. Malachi and Isaiah together announce the coming and presence of the day of the Lord. The Day of the Lord is a major central theme of the prophets. In fact, the Day of the Lord discussion dominates the prophets' remembrance of the Exodus, their reflection on the exile and return, and the eschatological hope for Yahweh's sovereign presence among the people. A clear part of the theological profile of the Day of the Lord in the Old Testament is that this would be a day of both salvation and judgment. It will be a great day, But it will also be a great and terrible day. For those who trust in the name of Yahweh, this day will be a glorious day. It will represent deliverance. It will represent the presence of God's blessing. By contrast, those who set themselves up against the Lord and His anointed, as Psalm 2 says, this will be a terrible day. The coming of the day of the Lord will be a terror. One of the reasons why the prophets are so concerned that the people understand both of these facets of the day of the Lord is how important it is. On the day of the Lord God will be present as merciful deliverer and also righteous judge. The burden of the prophets is to demonstrate that these realities are consistent with God's character. This intertextual backdrop for the beginning of the Gospel of Mark helps us explain and understand why Jesus comes and begins his ministry by preaching repent There is salvation in the name of Jesus, but only for those who repent and believe the meaning of his message. By beginning in this literary way, Mark brings to bear the theological weight of Malachi and Isaiah's message about what God will do on the day of the Lord. These quotations also help us catch the full significance of Mark's opening line, The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, Son of God. Though it shows up all over the place in the New Testament, the term gospel is actually an Old Testament word. In fact, the word gospel takes on a unique significance in the prophet Isaiah. As Isaiah moves to envision future deliverance from exile, it uses this word, good news. There, the term gospel relates directly to the announcement of Yahweh's sovereign presence among the people after a time of judgment shifts into a time of deliverance. As a prophetic voice declares in Isaiah 40, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries, In the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord, make straight, in the desert a highway for our God. surely the people are grass the grass withers the flower fades but the word of our god will stand forever go up on a high mountain o zion herald of good news lift up your voice with strength o jerusalem herald of good news lift it up do not fear say to the cities of judah here is your god behold the lord comes with might and his arm rules for him Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense is before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are young. Here in Isaiah, the good news, or gospel, referred to the announcement of God's sovereign presence among the people after judgment. By beginning in this way, Mark associates his story about Jesus Christ with the coming of the day of the Lord, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, Son of God. By beginning his gospel with this declaration, with this characterization of his narrative, and with this complex series of intertextual quotations of these significant promises in the prophets about the day of the Lord, Mark begins his story of Jesus in an explosive way. He asserts that the day of the Lord Is the day of the Lord Jesus. The story you're about to hear is a story that began long ago. The redemptive work you're about to witness are the blessings of promises fulfilled. In Matthew, the angel tells Joseph to name the child Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Here in Mark, Jesus is immersed under the waters of John's baptism of repentance to identify himself with the people he came to save. In Luke, Simeon tells Mary in the temple that this child has been appointed for the fall and rise of many in Israel, and it will be a sign that is opposed. Here in Mark, Jesus begins his ministry in the wilderness of trial and temptation, opposed by demonic forces and among the wild beasts. The last act of Mark's opening sequence of scenes is the beginning of Jesus' formal ministry. Mark recounts that Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent, and believe in the gospel. Just as a season of reflective contemplation on ancient promises prepares us for the birth of Christ, so too a season of reflective contemplation on ancient promises also prepares us for the advent of Jesus' ministry. Reading Mark alongside Matthew and Luke's birth narratives helps us also appreciate the season of obscurity that followed the season of anticipation. After the furor of the birth of this child, follow 30 years of obscurity. After Jesus' baptism, follow 40 days of isolation and trial. At the beginning of Jesus' earthly life, the angels had declared, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace among those with whom he is well pleased. At the beginning of Jesus' earthly ministry, words boomed from the heavens once more, You are my beloved Son, with you. I am well pleased. Mark's intertextual opening reminds us that the season of Advent prepares us not only for the arrival of the Christ child, but also his work of redemption in his messianic ministry. Praise the Lord for his grace.